What's up, Freedom Chasers? If you are looking to get into property management, we have the show for you today. Our guest is currently managing over 400 doors, and their projected 2023 income is over $2 million this year. And we're going to talk about how he is able to build that right now. Welcome to the Freedom Chasers Six Figure Strategies Podcast. If you're an agent or an investor yet to hit six figures, this is the show for you. We take a deep dive into strategies to help you achieve the goal of six figures so that you can grow up to seven figures eventually. All right, guys, meet Jason Marcordes, real estate investor and owner of Landmark Property Management out of Chicago. Welcome to the show, Jason. Um, Anybody listening is probably interested in property management. So if you were to tell somebody how to start a property management business, where would you start? Well, first and foremost, thanks for having me, Tim. Um, appreciate that. And uh, so if you want to get started in property management, number one thing, uh, in Illinois specifically, you have to be licensed. So uh, you have to be a licensed broker. So that is uh, step number one. Um, number two, you want to find a um, brokerage that is property management friendly. So not all brokerages are going to allow you to run your own property management uh, company. Um, but let's just say you do get your license, you do find a brokerage that is um, uh, that will allow you to, to build out that property management uh, book of business. Uh, that really is the next uh, step there. You need to build out the book of business. So um, just like if you were a realtor, you need to find your clients, same thing on the property management side. So um, this is really going to come down to um, basically marketing, sales, networking, um, going to a lot of the meetups and stuff like that, um, just to, to, to get a clientele. Absolutely. So in terms of marketing, is that your main strategy? Do you focus on networking more than say cold calling or all the other types of strategies that other people might be using? That's a great question. So we do a, we do a lot of, a lot of everything. So, um, property management is super, super local. Um, so we do a lot of networking, a lot of meetups, a lot of, um, you know, real estate investing groups and stuff like that. Um, actually a lot of that stuff online these days as well, uh, whether it's virtual um, meetups or Facebook groups, stuff like that. We also do um, online um, social media. We do SEO work. We do, we've done PPC. Uh, we've done Google ads. I mean, you name it. Uh, we've done just about everything. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, is there one of those that you have a preference for, or is there one of those that has worked the best, or do you find it better to have a diverse marketing strategy? I think you do need a diverse marketing strategy for sure, but for us, it comes down to relationships, just like for, you know most things in life, uh, especially most things in real estate, um, just building relationships, providing value, networking with um, you know investors and realtors, um, people that are going to be working with uh, investment property that when, you know, a, a broker, for example, some of our best referral sources are brokers, when they have an investor who's uh, purchasing a rental property and doesn't have that property management piece in place yet, um, they can refer that to, to us. Makes a lot of sense. I think networking is the best strategy, no matter what type of build business you're building. Right. I mean, without question, because, you know, everybody's really one relationship away from having a solid business. You just need that one person. They could, they could feed you forever. So um, right. networking is absolutely tremendous stuff. Um, 
I'm going to talk to you about a problem that I've had with some of the properties that I manage. Like I have flipped a lot of houses, right? So I have a grade A team for large scale projects. My problem is the little things, man. It's hard to get people to do little things because I always feel like the cost is absolutely ridiculous. Like I'll call somebody and be like, hey man, I need a new vanity, fix the plumbing over here. And I'm like, 500 bucks. And I'm like, dude, I could do the whole bathroom for 3000, man. Like you wanna do the vanity for 500 bucks? Um, so like, how do you find good handymen that aren't gonna charge you an arm and a leg? That is a fantastic question. Uh, we, we struggle with that just like you guys do. So. Um, it is a constant revolving door. We're always, so part of what our maintenance coordinator does is just source new vendors, source new, um, you know, we're, we're looking to hire a new handyman as well uh, to add to the team, but it is, it's a never ending uh, battle. It's, it's um, a huge piece of property management for sure. It's just finding high quality, um, consistent vendors that have uh, decent prices, especially over the last couple of years. Um, gosh, it's been, you know, with, with just all the rehabs and everything that's been going on, it's been really fine to really hard to find good labor. So yeah, we struggle with that. But again, I mean, it's the same thing, reaching out to your network. Um, man, even I'll post it on Facebook every once in a while. Hey, we're looking for a great plumber, uh, to service, you know, this part of the city or whatever. Um, it's, it's running job ads. It's, it's active outreach. You know, you're, you're Googling, uh, electrician in, you know, this city or whatever, and just calling them. I mean, it's, there's a lot of, um, active outreach and, and networking and all that stuff that goes into it. I hear you. So I guess I'm not doing it wrong. It's just a problem that we're all going to run into, unfortunately. Um, very cool stuff. So obviously you're in the Chicago market. It's a very liberal city. Um, Let's talk about pros and cons of, of Chicago in general when you're doing property management. And then after that, well, let's just do that first. Sure. Um, okay, so you're absolutely right. Chicago, Cook County is difficult to, to deal with, uh, for sure. Chicago is even tougher because of the RLTO and it's just a, a super um, litigious uh, part of the, the country and it's also super tenant friendly. Um, so, it's, it's, uh, man, there's two sides of that coin. So there's the investment side, you know, you're looking at that from an investor standpoint, and then there's the property management standpoint. Uh, if you're looking at it from a pure property management standpoint, it's really difficult to manage, uh, property rental property in the city and in, in Cook County. Um, but you know, that really creates a barrier uh, for folks that don't know the RLTO, they don't have the network of vendors, the um, you know attorneys, uh, whatever the case may be. So it actually gives you know quality property management companies an edge because th they are so familiar with those things. They have the systems and processes built out to deal with those complexities of managing in such a, a tenant-friendly place. What do you think are the biggest mistakes people are making with property management, especially in the city of Chicago? I know one of them, but keep going. Uh, so number one would be holding security deposits. Is that what you're thinking? Um, yeah, I, I, was, I was thinking fair housing, but yeah, that's a good one too. Fair, yeah, fair housing for sure. Um, 
so back to security deposits. So security deposits, uh, huge, huge issue. It's a, it's a huge uh, source of liability. So um, years ago when, when they changed um, the ordinances in the city and built some more, um, uh, you know, legal structure, I guess, around uh, taking and holding security deposits, a lot of the big landlords were starting to, to give uh, security deposits back to their tenants. And even um, the attorneys, so I have plenty of attorney buddies who own property in the city and they were they started giving their security deposits back uh, and refunding them. And at that point, that's when I, I thought, wow, if the attorneys are doing it, if, if they don't even wanna hold these, then we certainly don't either. Um, so that is that is probably the number one thing that I see where, um, you know, I'll, I'll um, see a property and, you know, certain tenants or certain landlords are accepting security deposits. And I'm just like, man, it's, it's just really not worth it. You know, it's not worth the risk, especially when you could do move-in fees or um, surety bonds or other type of programs that can help offset that risk. So that's number one. Number two is probably... You know, inside the city of Chicago, we highly suggest using the um, Chicago uh, lease that car releases every year. Man, that thing has been litigated thousands of times. Uh, it's, it's it's tried and true. It's held up in court. Um, so, you know, when we take on a property from from a third party owner and there's these you know goofy leases, that's another thing we always wonder like why it, it, it's it's like public information just download you know google it download it and, and use it um because again like you could you could you know get sued or go to court and, and have some major issues if you're not using the proper lease absolutely man thank you for sharing that um i totally agree with you that's what those forms are for man those are written by attorneys by the association right. of realtors right. so they're there to protect us <laughs> fill in the blanks it's that easy yes. just fill in the blanks Absolutely, man. So let's talk about scaling. Because I mean, it sounds like you built a virtual team to a degree. So like, how have you been able to manage so many doors without, you know, creating this big overhead monster that's always chasing after you? That is for sure. One of the issues with property management is is just scaling the team. It's really that first employee that that I find most property managers, property managers struggle with. How do I hire that first person? Maybe they're at 70 doors, 80 doors. Um, for me, my first hire and what I recommend to most people is some type of admin. So if you can um, take a lot of the day-to-day -day stuff, especially the phone calls off your plate, that will free up so much of your time. Um, we run on EOS. I don't know if you're familiar with that or uh, your listeners are EOS traction. Uh, we, we run yeah, on that. We do EOS every week too. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. There you go. So one of their tools is called elevate and delegate. And you, you basically fill out all your tasks in the boxes and you know, whatever you don't like to do and you're not really good at, like those are the things that you're, you want to delegate to someone else. So that's a really good starting point as far as doing a little time study writing out all your um, your tasks, what you're doing, what you're spending your, you know, 80 hours a week. If you're a you know, solo uh, entrepreneur in the property management space, you're, you're for sure spending 70 or 80 hours a week. Like, what are you doing in, in that time and what can you delegate? Um, I really love, so our whole company, even the folks that are here in Chicago is remote. We have an office in Wicker that we basically never go to. Um, we will if, if we need to, 
uh, it's extremely rare. Um, so we all work remote and, you know, since COVID, man, it, it seems like a lot of people do that, but it's just, you know, through email, Slack, um, Google, you know, Google meets and zooms, like it, we just make it work. I really love the remote model. You know, it, it, uh, adds, so you, you can tap into a, a, a global, uh, market pool, um, or, or a global talent pool. Um, and then, um, you know, employees get whatever it is, an hour, two hours of, of their day back. So, you know, they don't have to commit or they don't have to commute into the city and back at night. So um, I prefer working remote as far as like international talent. I would I think about half of our team is, is international as well. Um, so I highly suggest that just because the dollar goes so much further in other areas. Um, and again, you know, you, a lot of people, their first, um, you know, First thought is like, how do, how do I hire, you know, somebody in a different country? How are they going to answer my phones? How are they going to do this? How are they going to do that? And and I would say, um, man, it's, it's totally doable. It's totally possible. There's plenty of companies doing it. Um, and you just, you just have to take it one step at a time. I mean, um, there are some really smart folks um, out there that uh, can work for really reasonable rates. Um, one of our our operations manager, she's from Peru. She's, she's, uh, an engineer, uh, by degree. So she handles all of our operations, um, builds our systems and processes. She is super sharp. Um, so yeah, I highly recommend, um, you know, hiring remote if possible. And it cuts down is even, like I said, even with, um, even with the local staff being remote, like there's so much overhead that we save by not going into a massive office every day, um, so it, it works out really, really good. Absolutely, man. So obviously the property management business needs to be highly systematized or else you're going to be running in circles all the time. So what kind of systems do you have in place, um, for your employees? And I'm sure you have SOPs for just about everything so that it's easily trained and, and you're not constantly because I'm sure there's a lot of turnover too, because it's a thankless job sometimes. It is for sure. It is. Yeah. So that is like, that is usually the biggest bottleneck is, you know, you, you're a, a solopreneur, you have, again, whatever it is, 50, 75, hundred doors. It's really like, how do I take what's in my head and somehow transfer that? You know, how are they going to do what I do? And it all comes down to documenting and creating those SOPs or, systems and processes and checklists and all that stuff. So we've used everything uh, over the, the, the years. We've used spreadsheets, you know, here's the, here's the process. And we've, we've Word docs. Then we, you know, got fancy, went to Process Street. Um, and now we are on a, a, a software called Lead Simple, which is specific to property management. Um, but we do have a lot of different uh, softwares that, that um, you know, help us uh, you know, in, in different aspects, we use Asana, we use Slack for communication, Lead Simple, which is really our uh, process workflow that's specific to property management. Of course, we have our property management software and we have all these different things that um, some integrate, some do not. So it is, um, it is tough, but the sooner you can start documenting what exactly, um, you know, how you do it, uh, the sooner you're going to be able to uh, hire and, and get somebody trained. A quick note on that, I'm a big fan of Loom. I don't know if you guys use Loom in, in your company, but 
Um, Loom can just basically just screen record and you can kind of talk through exactly, hey, this is how I run a, a, a CMA or this is, I, I know you're in the BPO business. This is how I do a BPO so that you can train other people, um, you know, and you could use that in the future. Like you said, you know, property management can be high turnover. So rather than me teaching 10 different people over the next two years, it's like, hey, go look at that video. And you can rewatch that video a hundred times if that's, you know, how long it's going to take you to learn it. But um, whatever that is, again, if you start on a spreadsheet or, or a Word doc, there's absolutely no problem. Um, but whatever it is, you have to do it. Um, the sooner the better and, and really the more detailed, uh, in my opinion, the better as well. The less questions you're going to have from, from that employee. Thank you for the thorough answer. So you brought up Gino Wickman. So let's kind of jump into this real quick. Um, so I'll, I'll break down my side first. So uh, my partner, Matt, pretty much 100% visionary. If you, if you look at the scale, that's where he is there. I am like 75% visionary and like, I'm, I think I'm like 45 integrator. So I'm, I'm capable of integrating. But for me, integration has to be a short term thing. It's like, I could jump in there, I could build a system, but I need to get out of there as soon as possible or I'm gonna lose my mind. Um, where do you find yourself on that scale? Are you a visionary? Are you an integrator? Are you a mixture of both? That's a great question. So I don't, are you familiar with the predictive index? It's like DISC or cultural? Um, cultural I, I've, I've done just about every test there is. I'm, I'm pretty sure I did that. I believe um, one of my guests, um, Raymond so Joseph, I, I forget how to say his name. I think that he recommended that one. Got it. So prediction. Predict, predictive index is super powerful for hiring and um, uh, it, it breaks it down to different, you basically take a couple of assessments, it, it tells you your behavioral profiles and stuff like that. So I'm an analyzer uh, profile. So I love to, um, I love the research, I love to, you know, compare and, and, and kind of dive into things, investigate. Um, I am super detail oriented. I like things done a very specific way. Um, so I do like uh, the integrator part of it. I'm, I'm very um, heavy on the systems and processes, but I'm very fast paced as well. So I find myself uh, very much like you. Like I do have some of the visionary, um, but I also have some of the integrator side. So I can start something. I can tell people how I want it done. And then like, I got to, you know, I got to bounce at some point because I just, it's like, okay, I got to move on to the next thing. Um, I do get bored easy with, with certain things, so. Very cool, yeah, it does sound like we're similar except for the detail-oriented part. I certainly miss out on that. Um, <laughs> very cool, man. So, I mean, you mentioned that you're obviously starting other things. I know you're a real estate investor as well. You're passionate about the Chicago area. So, like, what's been going on in that area of your life? Yeah, so I, I, I am an investor. I own some multifamily, I own some self-storage. Um, I am trying to, I, I spent so much time the last four and a half years uh, really focusing on the management side because that really is our bread and butter. We want to make sure the service that we're offering is just top notch. Um, but uh, the team is is uh, the team that we've put together is is amazing, and they're they're allowing me to work on some other things. So, um, you know, one of the goals for this year is to acquire a hundred multifamily units. Um, so right now, kind of building that out and and doing a lot of networking again comes back to relationships and meeting a lot of brokers and wholesalers and stuff like that um, in, in different markets, uh, primarily the Southeast, um, you know, Southeast US, uh, specifically Florida. 
And um, yeah, just trying to, to lay the groundwork because I know that takes, you know, sometimes it takes a long time. Um, so yeah, that's really our focus this year is just, um, you know, again, we, we have the third party management side, but how do we build our own portfolio in-house? Cool, man. So when you're talking multifamily, do you have like a buy box that you're looking for? Just curious. Yep. Are you looking for value add? Um, what are the properties that are the characteristics, better term, that you're looking for when you're looking to buy multifamily down there in Florida? It's a good question. So uh, buy box is two to, tw uh, two to 200 units, um, C, C to B property, uh, C to B class property. Um, it has to be value add for sure. Um, uh, preferably no flat roofs, preferably no aluminum wiring, preferably uh, 1980s or newer and under 15 million. So uh, that's pretty much where we're at. And again, Florida, um, you know, anything in the Southeast we'd, we'd look at. I'm actually um, going to be submitting an offer on a 41 unit in Kentucky uh, this week. So we'll look at, you know, other places as well, as long as it makes sense. I love how specific your buy box is. That's wonderful. So like why 1980 or newer is one of the, I mean, I have quite a few actually, but one of them is why 1980 or newer. I mean, why aluminum wiring is, that's an easy one. That's a massive thing to redo. Um, but why 1980? Why is that the year? Um, I'm sure you might have something to do with lead-based paint. It's kind of close to that, but just give me an idea. Yeah, it, and really like 1980, I mean, could it have been 75 or 80, you know, 85? Uh, 1980 was just a, a cutoff that we picked. Uh, I think, you know, the general uh, why we want something, you know, uh, from around that that point and forward is just because uh, we want something that is, rel you know, relatively newer. It's been built to certain standards. Um, you know, we're not going to be facing a lot of the issues um, of a building that's a hundred, you know, a hundred years old. So we, there's really nothing specific to exactly 1980, but like you said, you know, this, so we've only been on this, this multifamily uh, journey for a couple of months here, but we're, we're already learning so much. And, you know, when I first started, it was like, ah, just bring me anything. And, you know, if you're focusing on everything, you're focusing on nothing. So we really, you know, through talking to brokers and talking to other investors and guys that own thousands of units, um, we started to narrow that in. And that's the same thing with flat roofs. Like here in Chicago, I mean, everything's got a flat roof on it. Um, in other parts of the, the the country, like that's not as normal. And, you know, when we kind of weighed, okay, how many issues do you have with the flat roof versus a pitched roof with shingles? Like we just thought, you know what? Let's let's not let's just look at at the uh, pitch roof with shingles. The same thing with wiring and, and plumbing and everything like that. So, yeah, that that's pretty much it. Just 1980s. Um, mostly, what you're going to come across is is updated plumbing and electric, or updated enough that we don't have to rip it out and redo it. Cool. And I'd like to dive a little bit deeper into value add because there's multiple ways where you could think of value add. Um, one of them, super convenient for you, not very well managed. Yep, um, sure. <laughs> so that's like a super easy one for you to fix because you're professionally at that. But are you looking at value add in terms of um, um, cosmetic updates and rehabbing it as well? Yeah, we're, we're looking at both, but I do agree. I mean, um, you know, the, the property I'm looking at in Kentucky it is, uh, it's, I think it's at about 50% economic occupancy. So it is very much a management play. Um, there's evictions to be done. There's lease, you know, a lease up to be done. 
there are going to be, of course, unit turns and there's even some rehab. So there's a little bit of everything, but um, that, you know, ideally there's a little bit of a learning curve because obviously there's going to be different laws and stuff like that. But um, we do feel pretty confident because, you know, we have a, a strong management background that, um, you know, th that's a, a great play for us. Can we do the other stuff for sure? And we're, you know, we're looking at that and considering it, but, you know, trying to stay away from gut rehab stuff as much as possible, just because, I mean, I'm sure you're aware of, of just pricing has just been crazy between material and labor um, the last couple of years. And, and not only pricing, but just trying to find, um, you know, find vendors. A lot of these guys are booked for two, three months solid. Um, so if you have a, you know, 50 unit building and you're trying to work through it, it, it could be a little bit of a challenge. Absolutely. And I'd like to ask why you're targeting the Southeast and Florida in particular. So, <laughs> uh, well, Florida is one of the um, top three states for growth. So, uh, you know, it, it's also personal. My, my cousin moved down there probably 10 years at this point. Ironically, she no longer lives there. But, you know, when she was there, we would travel down to like uh, Sarasota, Siesta Key, uh, Tampa area quite a bit. Uh, my wife and I fell in love with it. It's, it's awesome down there. Um, and it's just a, it's a very landlord friendly place. Again, you know, evictions in Chicago could be six to, to 10 months uh, down there in Pinellas County. It's 30 days. Um, uh, no state income tax. I mean, there's just so many good things going on in, in Florida right now. I mean, the weather's beautiful. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, just great. You know, a lot of people from the financial industry move into, uh, to, to Miami. Um, but all of Florida is growing, uh, like crazy. So. Absolutely. I love how you specified like the Tampa area and kind of that general direction. Cause my data guy tells me Fort Myers is the fastest growing city in the country. So it's a nice place to be. And I, I don't know Florida geography perfectly, but I believe just north of that Cape Coral is just on a craze right now. Such <laughs> there's just massive building going on over there. Right. Um, so it's a great place to be targeting. I mean, without question, like Florida, Texas, Arizona, I was thinking like high growth states. Those are probably the three yeah. that come to mind first. Yeah. Um, and it depends on your strategy. I mean, I, I'm, you know, ideally holding real estate for, for decades. Um, you know, if you're flipping, then it, it's really not as uh, big of a, an issue or factor, I guess. Um, but if you're planning on, on holding for 20, 30, 40 years, I mean, just think, you know, again, like if, if you're holding for one or two years, it's probably not that big of a deal. You're not going to see that much of, of appreciation over the course of a couple of years. But you talk decades. I mean, it's, it's almost a no brainer. The other thing, uh, real quick, the other thing is like down there, what I was thinking is, you know, every, you know, every house could be a, um, you know, Airbnb or could be assisted living. I mean, there's, there's plenty of elderly folks, as we all know, um, in Florida. And uh, I mean, there's just different exit strategies than in uh, Illinois. I mean, the suburbs of Chicago, most people are not vacationing to the suburbs of Chicago. Whereas like, uh, if you're coming to Illinois, you're really coming to Chicago, usually, unless you're visiting family. If you're going to Florida, I mean, it could be Miami, Tampa, Jacksonville, I mean, Panama City, Destin. I mean, there's just so much down there. Um, and uh, yeah, I just think there's a ton of opportunity. 
You're totally right, man. I think we've interviewed five to 10 people that are building in that area and they almost all have the same strategy. They're all building somewhere between 50 and 100 houses and it's a 50-50 ratio. Some of them are build a rent and the other 50% are for short slash midterm, um, which from speaking to people on this podcast, it sounds like that is the best strategy com combining both short and midterm together. Because if you get a nurse that wants to stay for 30 days, it, they will pay you two to three times market rent yeah. for the short term stay. Um, so that is obviously far more applicable in Florida. You could do that here too, but I mean, you're not going to be doing it as a new build in most cases, because if you're doing a new build, you're, you're generally going to be in the outer rim unless you're tearing something down. And if you're tearing something down in Elmhurst, that's, you don't want to, I mean, that's actually a good play, but I mean, it's expensive as hell too. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy down there. My wife and I are leaving in a few weeks um, to go to Tampa. We're going to be down there for a month and uh, we were looking at Airbnbs and uh, man, I mean, you just wouldn't believe the prices. There was a, uh, you know, we were looking at one month minimum stays and there was a 400 square foot trailer. It was, it was six grand for the month. It's like, it's unbelievable. And yeah, it's just, it's crazy. So. Well, I mean, it makes sense that everybody's doing it down there then. Um, yeah. <laughs> that is very cool, man. So Jason, man, um, we hit new years about three and a half weeks ago. Um, do you have any big plans for 2023? What are your goals for the year? That is a great question. So we have um, have a lot of a lot of goals. I think we talked about projected income. Um, we have a very specific two point one five million um, in in revenue. Um, you know, hit hundred uh, hundred multifamily units. Um, that is um, another goal of ours. Um, and then um, just you know, I have a newborn, seven months, I guess. So not not so new anymore, but uh, a lot of uh, personal uh, goals. Um, revolve around him, just being able to spend some time with him. And again, my wife and I love to travel. So we're going to be experiencing some new places with him. And, and uh, yeah, that's, that's about it. Very cool, man. Congrats on the newborn. I have one that's about 15 months now. It's crazy how time flies, um, but it's it's a wild journey. Um, how's it been? No doubt about that, man. It is wild is an understatement, man. It's It's, <laughs> it's so cool, though. It's such a learning experience and um, gosh, I mean, it, it's unbelievable. Just in seven months, how things have changed from, you know, getting up every two hours in the middle of the night and, uh, you know, now he's, um, you know, sleeping, sleeping great, growing like crazy, crawling. He's got six teeth coming in. He's uh, pulling himself up and he's going to be walking soon. I mean, it's just, it's, it's crazy, um, but it's so cool. It is such an awesome journey. Yep. It's an awesome journey. It's a painful journey at times too, but it is worth Absolutely. it 100%. Uh, my oldest is 12 now. And like, once they get older, it's a lot easier. First five years can be a little bit rough, but worth every second. And it's also one of those things where, you know, there's so many memories that you're going to build that you're going to treasure because kids do funny things all the time and, yeah. and you can make fun of them for the rest of their life for it. Um, so congratulations. <laughs> Thank um, you. Luckily for you, man, our, our listener base is largely Chicago and California. I mean, we're, we're listening. I mean, we have international too, but I mean, the majority of people listening are in, in California or in the Chicago area. So, I mean, if anybody's looking for a property manager or really anything else, like what would be the best way for them to reach out to you? So real quick, our number one uh, of all our clients, the, the breakdown is like 
70 percent of them are from california um so that is our, our number one uh, market for sure. Super convenient then. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know how it is. You just can't buy really anything in, in California that's going to cash flow. Um, so, um, but you can reach out uh, on our website. We have a, a, a contact us page. You can, um, you know, find me all over. I don't know. Shoot me an email, jason at landmarkrgc.com. Um, I don't know if you could put that in the show notes, but yeah, just reach <laughs> out, man. I, I just, you know, always looking to help. Even if you don't work with us, I, one piece of advice that I always like to tell everybody is um, if you're going to buy a property in Chicago, there are some really good parts and really bad parts. If you're going to buy a, a, a property in Chicago, make sure you reach out to a property manager and double check the pro forma, double check the OM, everything that you're getting. Do not solely rely on your broker. Your broker, while they might be a great person, uh, they are trying to get a commission, number one. And number two, they don't see the day, the day-to-day -day stuff that we deal with. You know, they, they see the property at, at its, at its finest hour. Uh, they sell it to somebody and they don't, they don't see that again. We deal with the tenants every day. We deal with the uh, maintenance issues, all that stuff. So, um, you know, again, if you're interested in something, reach out to myself, reach out to another property manager, just say, Hey, I'm looking at this building. What do you think? Is this truly a deal? Is this a good property to buy? I highly suggest doing that. Again, we're always open to uh, to helping in any way we can. So, I'm going to reiterate that point um, because Chicago's a wild city too, man. You could have a really nice neighborhood two blocks away from a really bad neighborhood. <laughs> um, yeah. So, oh, yeah. because as you mentioned, I've I've done BPOs, man. I've been to every inch of the city. I've been shot at randomly just for being in a random car that I shouldn't have been in, I guess. Um, I don't go to West Garfield Park anymore. Um, yeah. It is so important. <laughs> yeah, I think you know a lot of people, a lot, a lot of investors get in trouble because they will, they will, re, you know, they'll connect with a great broker, they'll, they'll buy a building, and then they reach out to the property manager and they say, "Hey, I bought this at a twelve cap. I need you to make that work." And it's like, well, in reality, like we cannot make that work. It's just, it's not there's no capacity there. It's really a four cap, like in a really bad area. And in order to, to, to get that return, we're going to go through evictions and, you know, break-ins and everything else. So again, do not reach out to the property management company after and, and expect them to be able to uh, deliver what, what the um, broker sold you reach out before as part of your due diligence for sure. Absolutely. And you know, the South side gets a terrible reputation, but there are some pockets on the South side that are absolutely beautiful yeah, too. Sure. Um, so it's one of those things you have to know, like I said, reach out to the broker, property manager, talk to as many people as you can. If you're looking to invest in Chicago, because if you buy it in the wrong spot, you're going to be in trouble. Um, Jason, yeah. it's been an absolute pleasure, man. Thanks for having um, me. Thank Tim. It was great. Thanks for jumping on, man. Um, thank you so much for giving us a glimpse into your life and into your business. And to those of you out there chasing freedom, freedom is accomplished one action at a time. So if you're considering starting a property management company, I consider I encourage you to go out there and start networking immediately with other investors so you can start getting on their radar um, and do so within the next seven days. Tell somebody you know that can help hold you accountable. So thanks for tuning in and we'll catch you on the next one.